Hi, I'm Peter Bart. And I'm Mike Fleming. And this is the Bart Fleming Podcast. So, Mike, I wonder, is it because we're both trained as newsmen that you and I both feel drawn to films that are fact-based? I mean, movies of this genre often carry a certain authenticity that can capture us. Now, the two movies that trigger these thoughts are titled Green Book and Front Runner. Green Book sounds like an, a rather ordinary title, but it is a rather engrossing road movie set in 1961 about a black pianist who, with his bodyguard slash driver, goes on a concert tour of the Deep South. Now, it is based on the actual life and letters left by the performer, Don Shirley, and his mafia-like driver, Tony Villalonga. Both men left documents that could not be translated really into film until recent years when each happened to die. Uh, now, I can almost feel the shrugs because racism is a theme. Um, is this too familiar? Uh, some may feel it is. And indeed, a couple of critics claim that that Green Book is a tad sentimental. And that's because a genuine bond uh, emerges between the two men, the artist and his bodyguard. One reason for the bond is that each saved the other along the way. The pianist gets the bodyguard out of jail for slugging a cop, and the bodyguard saves his boss from a very tense encounter. Now, a critic or two said this is a little too driving Miss Daisy-ish. Uh, I don't feel it's true. As a matter of fact, uh, I think, Mike, you were at Toronto where it won the People's Choice Award. Did you catch the movie? How did you feel about it? I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's the one to watch, the, the sleeper film that, you know, that comes up on, on the outside like Moonlight did and like Slumdog Millionaire did where there weren't, um, tremendous expectations. I, I think it's superb. And I think the, uh, the road trip story works very well. It's grounded in, um, in real history. And each one of those guys uh, comes away um, making you sort of consider uh, the way the world was and uh, the way the world, unfortunately, still is i mean i think we saw that with the uh with the anger and the lies and the vitriol of the of the elections yeah i agree well it's interesting the casting vigo mortensen who's i think danish american he must have gained about 75 pounds to play the uh the tough italian bodyguard and the concert piano pianist is paid by mahershala ali yes, mahershala. who stole the show in moonlight Yes. And, uh, and he's just brilliant. Now, but it's interesting, you and I both personally know that Peter Fowley, the director, because he and his brother Bobby gave us some wonderful over-the-top comedies, like There's Something About Mary and Dumber and Dumber. And Peter admits that he can't resist a chance for uh, something funny. There are funny moments in this picture. And I think it's, it is wonderful because he is something of a showman. It, it isn't uh, intense like Spotlight, which was uh, uh, almost, almost too intense. intense. But the, along the way, I think uh, Green Book gives us some smiles as well as some real emotional clout. What do you think of Peter's work? Well, I think Peter did a, a fine job, 
um, showcasing these these two incredible talents, and this could be Vigo's year. I don't believe he gained 75 pounds, but he gained, but I believe he did gain about 45 pounds. And I actually um, sat with him today because we're doing a, a cover story on the film for our Oscar, one of our Oscar issues, and I asked him, you know, what his go-to starch was, and and basically explained um i mean i've you know 45 pounds do, doesn't seem like an unreasonable amount of weight to gain when you uh when you don't exercise regularly which i have to say is uh is is my problem and i told him that i was bulking up for my role as a cautionary tale um <laughs> but he's already lost the weight he's incredible um and he's wonderful in this movie and and so is mahershala i think they really got to the bottom of these these characters and uh and <clears throat> when you mentioned it being uh, uh too sweet and and saccharin the truth is those two guys were friends until the day they died and they did go out on other tours together um, you know, they, they, they did other things together. I think Tony didn't want to go to Europe um, with Don because, you know, he didn't want to leave his family. But this is just an incredible story to discover. It's just wonderful. I, I hope it'll find an audience because I think it deserves to. And it's, one of the, it's an example of the kind of picture, don't you think, that does need award season because even the title isn't exactly uh, fascinating. And you hear it's 60s, um, and, and it's about a racial um, subtext. Nonetheless, it, I think because of the award season, it, it'll find some attention. Well, Green Book was a, was a little brochure that referred to, to um, hotels and restaurants that catered to, uh, to black-only um, customers in the Jim Crow Deep South. And it's really shocking to imagine that it that it really was this way but the movie the movie it's one of the most interesting things about the movie is here tony lip uh tony valalonga they call him tony lip who's played by vigo he's a guy who grew up with some you know some prejudice um in new york but he cannot believe what he sees and the way that people behave and so Don Shirley would be invited to play classical piano at these um, at these these country clubs, um, you know, with these moneyed white people, and they were very charming and nice until he needed to use the bathroom or eat in their restaurant, when they or or try on clothes in a store when they just became very virulently racist. It's just hard to imagine that such a world existed, but like you said, it this was in the early '60s. Um, before the, you know, right before, right on the, right on the, on the onset of the civil rights era. Yeah. So the, the other new movie that is fact-based, that again is about the changing of an era, is Front Runner. Now, Front Runner, um, directed by Jason Reitman, and Hugh, Hugh Jackman plays the main role. It's told in a cinema verite sort of way, like the candidate, the Robert Redford, Mike Ritchie picture. Uh, and uh, I felt it was engrossing, the fall of, of Gary Hart, uh, and also appalling by today's standards, because um, the, the, remember, he, there was a case of entrapment. I mean, the real heavy in this movie, I feel, is the press, in the sense that, that um, 
uh, Gary Hart was set up by a, with the help of, of a Republican operative. He, he was set up so that the press was pursuing him. The press knew where to find him. And, 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 and Donna Rice, his girlfriend of the moment, um, was, uh, when she went to see him, amazingly enough, the press, the Miami Herald in particular, was hiding in the bushes. All this was orchestrated. To me, the movie could have been a very tough movie, more in the spirit of a Kostrigavis movie, about the way in which uh, the press sets out to destroy a political figure. Instead, I think the movie is filled with ambiguities. Who is the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Was, is Gary Hart really the guilty party? Because he was, um, should we say, uh, not as sexually active as JFK, but he certainly was out there with his girlfriends and was a very charismatic guy. But Peter, one thing though, <laughs> you know, it, it feels to me like like this movie, and and I and I and I still have to see it, but it's almost like one of those atom splitting moments in a movie, you know, that we've seen in movies like The Social Network. Um, or the imitation game, um, you know, where where you are basically seeing a new thing happen. I mean, this happened in baseball when Jim Bouton wrote the book Ball Four, and it was the first one to bear how these guys behaved in the locker room and in the bars after games. And Mickey Mantle was depicted as a drunk, and all the Yankees hated Jim Bouton. But, you know, but and, and, and the same thing happened in politics. But as I recall, Gary Hart was the one who said, follow me, you'll be bored. And um, and and this was just uh, the way that the media has changed and it has become a lot more intrusive. Um, but I guess based on those old rules, it, it might not have been fair to air the Donald Trump tape uh, with Billy Bush, um, which which sort of which sort of illuminated a little bit about about uh, who people are in 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 non-varnished, not unscripted moments. I think the, I don't I don't I, I don't think I'd want to go back to the other way that it was before before Gary Hart. By the other way, do you mean I mean that era when uh, all of us in the press, um, the code was that um, we don't pay attention to what JFK is doing or what LBJ is doing, um, that we basically the media looked the other way. Um, Correct. And we we went from that moment to all of a sudden this moment of entrapment, uh, I would hope there was something of a middle ground between the two. And, uh, uh, but this, the movie, I think, it, you don't, the, the way the audience, the audience is not left with a feeling of, um, is, is Gary Hart, was he a bad guy to get involved with, with this? Uh, was his behavior such that the public as well as the media should have turned its back on him? I mean, by turning its back on Gary Hart, we um, basically pulled ourselves into the era of the Bushes, Bush Sr. and Jr. Well, I think what you're saying is the question is, is it appropriate to weaponize um, these sort of revelations? And I'm not sure what the answer is to that. We've seen people claim that the Me Too movement has weaponized, um, has been weaponized, and that certain people have been taken down along the way. But if you look at the sum total of the rogues who have been washed out in this toxic tide, I mean, how many of them do you feel sorry for? 
And when somebody is running for the president of the United States, we need we, we deserve as voters to to know about the person's character. And it feels to me like I, I understand it, it. It sounds like the movie takes a position that this wasn't fair. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll hold out judgment, but I think we deserve to know about these people when they're political well, leaders. Again, so much is interesting in terms of the way the media is depicted, because you and I both like Spotlight, where the press basically, these were good guys doing their work, dedicated to their profession. Even in the Post, uh, Spielberg's picture, uh, again, definitely the press emerges as the good guy. By by showing um, what happened during Front Runner, we realize how easy it is that for the press to be manipulated. In this case, by Lee Atwater, who is this the, the, the Republican schemer who really set Gary Hart up. I'm convinced. But the, the and you can see through to, in this era with uh, the behavior of Fox News how the how the media can manipulate public opinion. So with such effectiveness and deviousness. And I think that's an interesting subtext of Front Runner, which I wish had been underscored even more. Well, but, I, but again, if Gary Hart was who, who he was depicting himself to be, then he wouldn't have had anything to hide, and then he wouldn't have been susceptible to Lee Atwater's shenanigans. Yeah, see, I think it would be more fun to depict Gary Hart as a real hardcore womanizer, um, which to a degree he was, that he was out there playing. And I, I gather the subtext of the movie that he and his uh, wife had something of a deal that had been separated a few times. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, I think it's, his character is a bit ambiguous. Hugh, Hugh Jackman is terrific. But I think had Front Runner been a more hard-hitting movie, had it been a movie made by by the tradition of Costa Gavras, um, it would have been, I think, more interesting. Peter, I, I, it, it might not have been your favorite film, but I, I did just watch uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which starred um, Melissa McCarthy as, a, uh, as, an, as, as an author who basically forged letters from famous authors, um, including Ernest Hemingway. And I have to say, I think that's a performance to watch for, I think, Melissa has been showing chops in her comedy vehicles uh, for years um, in, in moments if you, if you took the time to look. But I think she's a, I think she's a realistic contender. There's, a, there's an astonishing lack of vanity in the way she plays this character. And I think, watch out for her. I think, uh, I think she's going to be a factor in this awards season. And I really liked the movie. I thought it was... I thought it was incredible. Um, it's such a shady world, and here she was just actually improving upon the prose of some of the greatest uh, uh, writers uh, of the 20th century, and getting you know so that she could get $400 a clip and 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 get medication for her cat. I mean, in some ways, <laughs> it's as absurd as when when they in that world in which they take the the you know the what they call the billionaire's vinegar. You know these the Somebody comes along and say, oh, I've, I have bottles of wine that Thomas Jefferson used to own, and they sell them for a fortune, and then everybody gets upset when they find out that they are phony. 
And uh, the whole thing is, I, I think it's the whole world and the way it's depicted is uh, very, very interesting. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very, very good film. Well, I tremendously admired her performance in that film. I, you have more fortitude than I. I found it uniquely depressing to spend a couple of hours in the company of a writer who has writer's block, which Melissa's character does, and who drinks too much and, and lives quite as sloppy a life. I mean, I don't like to see Wait, Peter, spent I, much of my life writing. I hate to see a writer depicted, depicted in that depressing a setting. So I admire Melissa. I was a little depressed by the movie. Oh, well, you're talking about Melissa. I thought you were talking about your podcast partner. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Okay, I th I'm glad you brought that up, though, Mike. That's yes. an interesting subject, and she's a terrific lady, though. I, l I love her. Yeah, she's wonderful. Absolutely. <laughs>